This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast hosted by food scientist Kribben Govinda. If you're fascinated by all things gut health, the microbiome, fermented foods, mental health, mitochondrial health and more, then search for the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast on your favorite podcast app and get listening. Welcome to the Go Vita podcast where your vitality is our passion. It's time to supercharge your health and wellness, to take the next step on being the best version of you. Let's get underway. Hello and welcome to the Go Vita podcast, the show dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest wellness information so that you can enjoy the health and vitality that you deserve. Marcus Pierce here with you, CEO of the Wellness Couch Podcast Network and on this episode, our focus is on sustainability. With an expected increase in the world's population from 7 to 9 billion by 2050, the demand for diminishing natural resources is growing. According to the anthroposophic ideas of Rudolf Steiner, who was the founder of Walida, we must do our best to support an adequate living environment for everyone today without compromising the needs of future generations. Now, many would say that this is easier said than done, but we're going to give it our best shot on this episode of the GoVita podcast. We're going to discuss microplastics, biodynamic farming, fair trade, certification and a whole lot more to help us tackle this big issue is a real trailblazer and giant in the wellness industry david johnston is the managing director at walita australia and was general manager at govita australia from 2000 to 2007 david has been in the industry since he was 17 and his experiences include working as a chef at a macrobiotic restaurant creating a healthy food catering business establishing an organic farm in the 1970s and introducing numerous niche health products to wellness enthusiasts right around the world on a personal level david's daily routines include meditation tai chi and an ocean swim and he's also a keen surfer he's a father of three a grandfather of two it is a very warm welcome to the go vita podcast david johnston thanks for joining us thanks marcus it's funny when you hear about yourself in a way like that but yes i i do do all of those things and enjoy life immensely i always think it's important to give guests the credit they deserve when they come on and also for listeners that um, may not know who you are and what you're about, also just for them to get an insight as to how much experience you've had in the industry. So it is always interesting when, when you hear others talk about yourself, but every single word there, uh, true to a word. Um, now, I just worked out as I was researching for this episode that you and I both have um, children that either have been or currently go to um, Steiner schools. And, in, and as I was researching this, I did not know that Walida was founded by Rudolf Steiner. So my kids go to a school, a Steiner school up here in, in Byron. Uh, from what I believe yours did when um, when they were going to school in Sydney. Um, I know we give the kids Blackthorn and and numerous other Walita products, and now it makes a whole lot more sense. So I'm just learning about this as a Steiner parent. But for all of those that use Walita and know Walita but may not understand the history of Walita, would you be happy to enlighten us? I would love to. And yes, my children, my three children went through Steiner education and both my grandchildren uh, have gone through Steiner education as well. And I've got a third one on the way and I'm sure that they will as well. Um, But back to Steiner and Walida and where all of that started. And In a way, you'd need to cast your mind back and this is an interesting thing to do back to the 1920s, which is just post-World War I, uh, to Switzerland and a little village called Dornach um, and there was a Dutch lady doctor there called Ita Wegman and she had a spa and a clinic and she was 
People were coming from all over Europe to visit her because she was dealing in natural remedies and and getting quite remarkable results. And she was consulting and discussing things with Rudolf Steiner. And their whole method was using herbal, homeopathic, and mineral combined together. And Steiner's whole philosophy is using nature to help the body to heal itself. So it's like more enriching the body and when the body's healthy, it's able to deal with a lot of those things, which is really what we're talking about these days when we're talking natural remedies as well. They kept going and people were just demanding so much more and they were trying to keep up with it all and they couldn't in this clinic. So Steiner bought a small manufacturing company in Germany and he called it Walida. And Walida was the Celtic healing priestess. So he actually named the company out of healing art and out of the respect of this woman. And just as a sidetrack, that clinic still exists to this day. It's a 90-bed hospital. It still only treats people with natural remedies, and it does everything from people with minor conditions all the way through to cancer. And it's a, honestly, it's a remarkable place. I have had the pleasure of having tours there a couple of times, and it's the sort of place that if I ever got sick, I would love to be at. Uh, Hopefully, I won't need to, but it really is quite exceptional. Oh, uh, that is, um, that's a beautiful story. It's beautiful to hear, and I love hearing stories of creation just again as someone that is naturally interested in rudolf steiner it is phenomenal what type of legacy uh that man has left um so much and and the other thing that i find fascinating and going off topic here but so much of it happened because of the war if the wars didn't exist a lot of steiner's uh thoughts and creations uh, may not have actually um, manifested. It's a fascinating story. Well, well, I I think the more you look into it, the more – I mean, it was happening before the war. He was really quite uh, vocal about a lot of things. But when something like that happens, as we're looking at today, there is always a counterbalance. And it almost – unfortunately, it's when things get bad that something good has to develop from it. Mm. And indeed – uh, you know, even the development that he created by dynamic farming, the story goes that farmers were coming to him saying that everything, all the animals and everything are feeling really um, run down, the soil's run down, and they're giving us these chemicals to put into the soil. And Stein was on about, but, but this is wrong. You need to be healing the soil, not using chemicals, not using the mono agriculture, but doing the sort of things that brings the biodiversity back into it rather than taking it away from it. And, um, you know, the, the story where one of the first remedies that he created was coffee for cows to calm them down because you can imagine how spaced out and everything all of the animals over Europe were post the World War. You know, there was all of this healing that needed to take place. And, you know, I I guess that's the thing with Walida. We have this heritage of where we've come from and Steiner being a humanitarian was all about how do we connect human beings with nature? And (laughs) the same thing that existed then is what we're talking about now. And really so much of the product that we sell in Australia come from this medicinal-based thing. So we started as a company making medicines. Some of the medicines were things like how do you deal with skin when it gets dry? So they created skin food. Our iconic product that's been around now for 97 years started way back there 
because people's skin, when they're not well, was drying out. Steiner himself developed our rosemary hair tonic and other products like our um, uh, Ritania mouthwash and all of our toothpaste come because when people are ill, their mouths go funny, they go dry, and, and uh, they need some healing. And all of these different things that now are classified as natural skincare products started back there from medicines in the same way, and we're continuing that to heal, to nurture, to nourish the human being. Oh, it's a fascinating story, and there's so much in there. The one that I would love to just um, back over a bit is this biodynamic cultivation that, again, my understanding is that Steiner was the creator of um, biodynamic farming. Um, I, I also find it fascinating that you were talking about farmers, you know, 100 years ago being uh, learning about the, the troubles with chemicals, um, and it's such a – kind of magnify that problem 100, 100 years later. The same problem still exists just in a, a, a lot, much larger scale. But biodynamic cultivation, um, from my understanding, Walita has the largest biodynamic medicinal plant garden in all of Europe. There's over 1,000 different species of plants growing on 23 hectares. It's so difficult to even get the mind to visualize that. 50 types of birds, 30 species of wild bees. I mean, it literally sounds phenomenal. As a consumer... Um, can you share with me how biodynamic cultivation differs from conventional practices? Because I'm listening and, and I'm learning about this going, this is phenomenal. So, at, for the end stage when I'm looking in a GoVita store and I'm seeing Walita on the shelf, what impact does the difference in the way um, farming practices are done, um, what impact does that have on products? And then obviously we'll get into that conversation about sustainability for the world at large. But what about just on the products itself? I, I Every time you ask a question, it's like, will I go to this story or this story? Because each one has its layers and each layer gives you a greater depth of understanding. So biodynamics in its simple form is uh, organic is about not putting chemicals in soil and making sure that you're keeping those away. Biodynamics is in using certain elements, certain phases of the moon cycle, certain things that quite frankly farmers have been doing for thousands of years anyway, just using those principles and enriching the soil but also creating biodiversity around it. So it's almost a biodynamic farm exists as a cell of biodiversity with all of the different elements combining together to ensure that the whole is greater than the sum of the individual things. And and you can have monocultural type of organic, not uh, hopefully not a lot of it is, but when you're talking biodynamics, you have to have that biodiversity. So it's respect for the soil. You're not raking it up and taking away all of the structure that's underneath in it and then needing to add other things to it. You're just enriching it in its natural way with everything that's around it. It's a beautiful process. And I tell you, this garden in Schwabitzgemund is where nature and humankind come together in harmony in a way that you just got to love it. If you ever get a chance and you're over that way, I'd love you to go and visit it because oh. it's really worthwhile. <laughs> But when, when I was there last, and every time I am somewhere in the vicinity, I go there because it's such a gorgeous feeling. 
But we grow, for example, uh, our calendula that goes into our children's products. And when they harvest in it, they will only let you harvest it when it is at its prime time, right? So they won't go a day or two earlier. It's like when you pick a fruit and it drops into your hand. The guy that runs the place knows when it's ready. He then invites the people from the office, which is down the hill and the man the uh, warehouse, up if they want to, early in the morning before sunrise. They calm them down and then they go out and start handpicking the calendula flowers. But as they're doing it, they are laying them down on cloth near the soil. And then the next group of people come along and they collect them. But the reason that they're putting them down is so that all of the bugs and the insects that are so essential to that biodiversity, to biodynamics, can go off the flowers and off the leaves while they're on the ground and then they pick them up and then we've got on site at the farm uh, the next stage of the processing, either the distilling or whatever else is taking place with it and it goes straight into there, quite frankly, before the juice removed from the plant itself. So that in itself is just a beautiful thing to see. But biodynamics has both that dual thing of making the soil vital so that the energy that goes into the plant is really quite remarkable, but also in healing the earth. And you'll find these days many, many wine growers are using biodynamic principles and not just because they can slap a biodynamic sticker on it, but because they're getting the quality and the abundance of flavors that they really want and appreciate in the foods. Oh, this is just, uh, this is melting like butter, your words. <laughs> I'm just visualizing what this, um, what do you, what's the name of the actual, of the, of the, of the gardens? What did you say it was? It was just, uh, and whereabouts is it? Because I'm it's just- in Schwabitzgemund, yep. which is my pronunciation. If I was German, I'd be able to pronounce it better, which is a small town in Germany. And uh, uh, <laughs> there, there, there is the, there's a open garden next to it. The the place is just um, it's just a haven of biodiversity. And Does it, it just feel like a nirvana? I mean, it just sounds like. I've just died and gone to heaven. I mean, well, is, it, is that how it feels when you walk through there? The way that you were describing the calendula cultivation, I'm like, gee whiz, it just it sounds like paradise. Like, give us a few more visuals of this. I'm thinking of these 30 species of wild bees and the 50 types of birds all singing their songs uh, and buzzing around whilst you're walking the fields. Like, is it just like, it, tell it us just more? Like we that. want to know because many of us listening, let's be honest, are never going to get there. So. Tell us more about this. I mean, this is so novel uh, to hear of such a place that exists. I, I look, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll do a movie on it. We've got some little videos of it, but we, we're expanding on that. But when you walk in, there's generally goats over at one side and then you'll see ducks or geese wandering off somewhere. Um, there is a little shop there with an eating area and the as by Steiner's uh, way of doing things, it's like a spiral leading down into this pond. And then you step and then to the right-hand side is the processing plant where the things come into. And then you step in through um, a structure that is living like a willow um, arch 
that sometimes has no leaves on it and then in spring the arch that you're walking through starts the leaves uh, to start to come out and then you walk in and then it just gets into the magical mystery land but one of the first things that when you go on a tour they show you is there's a um, a frame that's about the size or close to a two meters high about a meter wide and they pull aside that and at the top there's a little plant maybe it's a pea plant or a dandelion and they pull it apart across and reveal a glass panel and behind the glass panel is dirt and you've got this little plant maybe uh, 10 centimeters tall or something and then two meters of root structure oh wow underneath and you start to get an understanding of why it's so important to not just think about what we're doing at the top, but think about what goes on underneath. There's a whole ecosystem going on down there. And the lady actually said, can you imagine how much living organisms I could have if I had um, a small soccer ball full of this soil in my hands. And people are going, oh, a thousand, 10,000. And she said, in there, they estimate that the population of the entire earth, there are that many microorganisms of different things living in there. So it's like the biodiversity when you look after the soil is that important and this new you know this monocultural thing is breaking the structure of all of that and taking it away so that's the importance of things like that that's why when you talk about where is the world going and how are we going to be able to feed the nine million people there are uh, to me it's like if we just wake up and stop abusing nature and start working with nature, we've got the every chance of actually being able to put it back together and regenerate. It's all about regenerating in respect of nature. Hope you're enjoying this edition of the GoVita podcast. If you're loving David Johnston and the Walita story as much as I am, make sure you look out for the incredible range of Walita products when you're next at GoVita. From face care, body care, skin care, baby and child care, vegetarian and vegan friendly products, you're sure to find something for you or your loved ones. Okay, let's get back to the interview. Oh, this is a, a wonderful conversation and now you, you segue beautifully because now I want to tackle the more the global side of, of health and wellness and many of us as consumers would now know about fair trade. We drink fair trade coffee and we see fair trade stamps on all types of things but let's talk about this from a Walita perspective and then more around the, the wellness industry itself. So, Walita is a global company. So, you know, I'm just going to assume you've got your major fair trade agreements because they would be important to the uh, Walita values. Tell us about this union for ethical bio trade. What should consumers be looking for on labels uh, to know that they're buying fair trade certified products and that they've actually come from growers that, you know, have the same level of care as as uh, you and Walita do? I, I have to say I'm, I'm so pleased that there is so much uh, focus on fair trade going ar around these days and you're seeing it 
all over the uh, area, and, and it's great to see. But Rudolf Steiner, as I said, was uh, best known as a humanitarian, and um, he instilled into the principles of Walida, it's in our DNA and it's within everything we do, care and respect of all relationships we have, uh, whichever relationships they are. And we have partnerships with growers all over the world um, that we've been working with for many, many years. Some of them, things like sandalwood, which we start a relationship and you don't actually get a produce from it for 15 years after you've started that. Others where we're trying to ensure the guarantee of supply because the demand for this is just going to increase. The world is waking up and they're, they're realizing that they need it. We've been working on it for a long time, which is why we work with some of these people. And we guarantee them an income. We say that we will take a certain amount over so many years and we guarantee that for them. And even if they fail, we will pay them an amount to try and make sure that that doesn't destroy them because these sort of things happen uh, at times. So it's really important for us to be able to ensure that the relationships allow them to bounce back so that we can get the guarantee of supply. So one of the things that's helped us dramatically with, you know, we've got people going and sourcing and I, I could paint you a picture of some of those stories that we could tell about, you know, our wild rose in, in Turkey, our lavender in Moldova, and I've been there. It's just remarkable. And, you know, some of the places we grow things. But we've combined now with the Union of Ethical Biotrade. We've applied to be a member. They've accepted us. Now, this organization normally works with coffee mate growers and food producers and at this stage there is only two companies in the world that skincare companies natural skincare companies that they have certified as following their very high standard and criteria for um, fair trade so basically what they do is they will audit uh, uh, processes from companies and it will ensure not only the growing, the harvesting, the development of uh, wherever you're doing it. They'll make sure that a fair wage is paid, that the local indigenous community is consulted and that the land is, if need to be returned, to as good, if not better than it was before. So it, it really is fair trade on on steroids or it's the difference between organic and biodynamic. It is that much of a, a process that goes into it. And I'm hoping a lot more companies will fall into that because the moment they do, greenwashing falls away. You just know that if you're working with the UEBT, everything you're doing has to be done appropriately. So is it easy for consumers to, 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 to find that label? Is it easy identifiable? Because that's my thing for consumers is – like you said, there's literally only two skin companies um, that, or two beauty brands that have it. So you'd want that label to be strong. Is it something that is easily identifiable for consumers? It's a, it's on a lot of our packaging, um, and it, that's not the only one. Look, uh, to, to be fair, there's a lot of companies out there doing really good stuff, um, and a lot of them are following the Steiner's principles. I mean, he uh, there are different companies. Uh, Dr. Hauschka used to work with uh, Walida and went off and set up Hauschka. Jürgen Klein worked with Dr. Hauschka and came over and set up Julique. So they come from this Steiner-based philosophy as well. 
Um, now, I don't know what they're doing as much these days as they were when they were established, but I know that they're still pretty good products. And, you know, there are other companies and they will have the, the traditional fair trade logo on it. Mm. I'm hoping that that isn't just on individual ingredients, but it's on the entirety of the process yeah. of what goes into there. And I believe that this will develop. But again, it's it's up to consumers and us to be trying constantly to bring these sort of things to the forefront and expand on them. It's Everywhere we turn, there is work to be done. But the work in itself can be very satisfying and challenging. And, uh, you know, my whole thing is we've got to stop feeling depressed about where we are and what's going on. And we've got to start feeling good about how beautiful the world is and how much we need to embrace nature and reconnect with community and connect with nature and make it work. And then once we do that, we're heading in the right direction. Oh, you're an inspiration to listen to, David. We need we need more uh, people like you um, with this wonderful attitude i'm really tempted to ask you about greenwashing but i feel like we would end up doing a whole nother episode because i feel for consumers when i look at so many products and not just products but services as well uh that is just got greenwashing smacked all over it but um i'll hold off because i want to ask you uh this whole discussion around sustainability it must include plastics um to a larger extent microplastics can you just give us an education what are microplastics? What do they do to the human body? Um, and particularly as consumers, how do we avoid them? Yeah, interesting one, this microplastic thing. And the, the, the obvious one that everyone's kind of aware of these days is uh, the little beads that at some stage got put in and became exfoliants. And everyone really liked it but because that what they were using was natural ingredients like we have in uh, our birch um, scrub, um, which is, you know, made from waxes and things. And But some of them were using sand and little broken up other things and it was a little bit rougher. So they went, oh, plastic's very smooth and it does a job. It, but it's crazy. You know, I reckon in a in 10 or 15 years time when you tell someone that we used to put these little micro beads of plastic in products put them on our face, wash them down and wash them into the oceans, they'll just go, are you serious? Did that <laughs> really happen? But we somehow do these stupid things and hopefully now we're shining the light on it. But the next one is really the polymers. Mm. You know, while we've taken the, the microbeads out, there is still in so many skincare products and cosmetics these polymers that are used – um, to fill, like so when you're putting on uh, things and mascara and also to sh give a glitter or a gloss, all of those, generally, not all of them, but a lot of them contain these different polymers which come from plastics. They can be called all manner of different things on labels from, you know, extended ones, but a lot of them start with nylon or poly or polypropylene, whatever, whatever, whatever. But these are things that are still existing and they're in stay on like cosmetics, but also wash off products like uh, soaps and um, uh, uh, washes and all of the, the different ones. And I think that they're going to be the next one. But there's, you know, the whole thing with plastic just blows me away how many different areas we can work on it. And, you know, plastic packaging is an issue. I know for us, we're, we still grapple with some of it. You know, we're, we'll be 100% 
uh, recycle plastic in the vast majority of our things, but plastic is what we need when we're putting things in the bathroom. Others, uh, you know, we're still working on, you know, we have 50%, but we're moving those. Uh, there's still a long way to go. We do have a TerraCycle recycle program for to be able to deal with it. Um, but, you know, you think of other areas uh, and, you know, it's great plastic bags are going, but what about our clothes? People have so many synthetic clothes yeah. and as you're walking around, you're creating this du plastic dust everywhere. So, you know, there's issues. And then we'll go on to sustainability because I'd prefer to talk about that than plastics to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, well, well, go on. Keep going because this is, I mean, as I said, I, I feel like our listeners could listen to this all day. Give us your insights on sustainability. I want to ask you one more. I want to ask you a question about um consumers and sustainability but but go on don't stop here because uh, this is we've only got you once so <laughs> okay look well for, for a start you know let, let, let me pat ourselves on the back uh, Walida has just been voted the one, number one sustainable beauty brand in Germany and oh, yeah. that's that's really quite significant and you know everyone I guess everyone at Walida kind of went, celebrate, celebrate, now let's get back down and see where we go from there. Because for us, it's not just about being sustainable. It's about regenerating. It's about creating a world that is worthwhile for us all to live in and trying to find ways of taking this concept of sustainability, which is really valid, but it only means to contain and hold on to what we've got. We need regeneration. We need to be viewing things from a whole different paradigm. And thankfully, as I said before, it's in our DNA from a social, ethical and environmental thing. Uh, we want to be able to make sure that that works. And as we're coming up to our 100-year birthday in 2021, uh, you know, we're hoping that this whole idea of monoculture – uh, starts to diminish because it takes away from the ability of the soil to produce and we start to create something that will enable the world to look to the future and to be able to feed the people that it needs to uh, without going into what, what is the latest one, uh, growing meat in labs. Oh, don't without... get me started. We'll have a whole other episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cheapest. But it's, yeah. it's like... I, here's my thing. At the moment, we're, we're in the ebbs and flows. There's like a tide that's coming in as the old tide is going out, and you've got every time there is major change, the conservative uh, elements hold on, dig their heels in, and hang back trying to make sure nothing moves. And the people that can see the damage we've done and the way forward are just trying to move and they're being dragged back, criticized and held back. And that's where, and you know, we've got to get away from this fear and insecurity that we've all got that was being almost bred into us. So we don't trust ourselves and therefore, you know, we have to trust someone else and start moving forward. And it's like shows like yours and what's going on in the world that hopefully we're starting to make those steps. Oh, I think you're, you're right. I think we are making those steps. For, for people listening and for the general consumer at large, I just, I know we've spoken about a lot of big ideas and issues on this uh, particular episode, but from a consumer perspective and given all of the years of your experience in the industry, what do you think 
one or two things that we can either do more of or less of just as your everyday consumer to improve our sustainability practices as human beings? Look, I reckon learning from nature, you know, we are part of nature. We've, we're reliant on it. We've tried to dominate and abuse it and control it, but the more we can come back and actually watch and observe and let it be our teacher and help it to regenerate um, from the ongoing assault that's been taking place and just kind of be real with who we are. Um, and in a way, I feel that the more you observe and you get into it, the more you find how precious that is and the more you feel how precious our life is. You know what I mean? It's it's almost as if we're disrespecting ourselves when we're disrespecting nature. And most people know it's the awareness. And pick one or two things that you can do that are worthwhile. You know, you know when you're doing something, just inc- increase our awareness. Make sure you got your bags when you go shopping. Make sure that whenever you can, you're composting. Don't buy the stuff that is not going to be good for your body or good for anything else. It will start to come through. Stay away from synthetics wherever you can. You know, our aim as we're leader in 2021 is to bring back this understanding of biodiversity, biodynamics, and reconnect people with nature um, because that way they can really help to understand the beauty around them and the beauty within them. Oh, David, you've spoken about these topics so eloquently. Can't thank you enough. We could talk for hours on this podcast, but uh, a genuine thank you for sharing your wisdom on this episode of the Go Vita podcast. Loved it. Uh, look forward to catching up again sometime, Marcus. Cheers, mate. Thank you, David. If you've enjoyed this episode, folks, which of course you have, please subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a friend. Show your friends and family how to listen to podcasts and open up a whole new world for them. Please spread the love by leaving a review in iTunes and make sure you head over to govita.com.au where you can check out the latest Go magazine. That's Govita's quarterly magazine with recipes, tips, special offers, and a whole lot more. Remember, uh, when you are next doing your shopping, make sure you do so in one of the 150-plus GoVita stores around Australia. Have a look at the incredible range of Walida on offer. And remember, at GoVita, your vitality is our passion. Bye for now. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.